Coming up on the Assassin's Podcast, we've got the CEO succession draft. My co-founder and brother Jeremy joins the show to analyze the top 10 CEO successors of the past two decades. We give you a couple succession spoilers, reflect on what we thought about probably HBO's. It's in the pantheon. It's got to be in the top five, but a couple spoilers in there. We talk about which founder or CEO would most likely mail someone their own blood and who wins the Cousin Greg Award. It is a succession-packed episode. You're going to want to tune into this. It's a lot of fun and love having Jeremy on the show. All right, without further ado, Assassins, let's get into the show. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, Asian again. Shopping for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? This week on the podcast, we're going to do something a little different. We are reflecting back on one of the greatest shows of the past century. It's up there with Succession. I want to welcome in Jeremy Vandehey, my co-founder from the days of disco, but brother from the same mother. Welcome into the show. Good to have you on, man. The youngest boy. Thanks for having me. I, me being the eldest boy. So we thought, you know what? We wanted to talk about the idea of succession and successors. And so this week, what we did was we sat down and we said, hey, who are some of the most notable succession stories or successors? This was our own research, just looking at prominent CEOs who had stepped down and trying to understand who took over for them, what the dynamics were at the time, the decisions that they made and the trajectory that they put their company on. We basically looked at all public companies because we wanted to use market cap as a, an equalizer. And then we just looked at what was the trailing five-year market cap for the success successor, uh, and then the looking forward five-year market cap. So what was their impact? Do you want to start us off? The first that I want to talk about, just do it, is looking at Nike and the transition from Phil Knight and then to Mark Parker, ultimately to John Donahue, who was previously the CEO at ServiceNow in January of 2020. If you look at Mr. Donahue's resume, the guy just led a tremendous amount of transformation and change over at ServiceNow. A couple of notable things in John's favor, while the market cap performance doesn't showcase the full story, Nike made a number of major changes in evolving its direct-to-consumer focus, and their online sales grew significantly over the time that John's been the CEO. So they've made a number of investments to improve their D2C focus, and then they've also done a number of things to invest in a lot of the forward thinking capabilities. So it feels like Nike was in this transitional point where they realized they needed to move from being a physical brick and mortar retail business to something that was more focused on consumer 
experience and that you're seeing that with innovations they're making in AR data and analytics. And then also on just general customer personalization. And then I know John Donahue in particular has been really big on championing initiatives like the move to zero campaign. So huge focus on sustainability and just reducing Nike's environmental footprint as they've grown. And then obviously the focus on international expansion. So that is number 11, Mr. John Donahue. Next on the list, Oracle. Software Cats took over for Mark Hurd in 2014. And at the point of takeover, they were doing 197 billion market cap. And then actually had a rough patch for the next couple of years, but really put it on a positive trajectory because as of today, they're sitting at 288 billion. So in that minus five to plus five year tenure, fought through some tough times, made some hard decisions, expanded the product portfolio, got outside of core database software, which is what Oracle was always known for. It was almost a Volter deal. They went from traditional, their traditional database to the future. And I think doubling down on innovations like AI, there's obviously a huge blockchain and supply chain component with their investment in IoT. The, the macro level change of moving outside of just core database, but also made a number of other strategic acquisitions like NetSuite and Sun Microsystems. That also brought the Java programming language and some of the hardware technologies to Oracle. Up next, we have got HubSpot, company founded by Brian Halligan and Darmesh Shah. Shout out to Darmesh, who's been a friend. HubSpot's story is pretty awesome. They've built one of the fastest growing uh, customer relationship management applications. They pioneered in the category of inbound marketing. So again, not a ton of data on overall market cap performance, having gone public more recently than some of these other companies. But the successor in this case is Yamini Rangan taking over for Brian Halligan. They've seen significant revenue growth. I think they grew 33% in 2022. And that includes a huge surge in their subscription revenue. So 34% up while growing their customers 24% year on year. So there's a couple notable things in there. The revenue growth has been tremendous. And then their average subscription revenue per customer was also up 3%. So again, they've had a huge focus on driving top line growth and also on employee experience. So Yamini came from the customer group within HubSpot. So huge focus on customer relationships and investing product development inside of customer success and making sure customers have a great experience, which you're seeing. All right. Number eight, GM, General Motors. This was the successor we're celebrating and highlighting here is Mary Barra taking over for Daniel Ackerson. She took over in a tough time. 2014, it was five or six years after the auto bailouts. So GM was definitely in some choppy waters. If you're following the water metaphors that came out of succession. I really see this as a big success story of steadying the ship and building the new robots, the new frontiers. Key contributions for Mary were major product innovations in EV, like pretty early on in the space, launching models to compete with the likes of Tesla, Chevy Bolt, GMC Hummer EV, restructuring operations and decisions to exit unprofitable markets, just all kinds of 
very smart moves when you've got a lot of people with their eyes on you. It's impressive to, to, to see Mary's contributions. All right. Number seven, this one hits home. Our previous employer, we're talking about Intuit here at the number seven spot. Brad Smith took over for Steve Bennett. Also UW alum, shout out to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Mr. Steve Bennett in 2008. And that's right around the time actually that I joined. Brad obviously is pretty notable CEO in the Valley. He's previously on the board at Nordstrom. So the guy's pretty multi-talented, also a great dresser. And he did a number of things, introducing TurboTax, QuickBooks Online, the Mint acquisition. He was also one of the pioneers in the shift toward desktop-based software to the first push to mobile apps and mobile-first solutions. He was involved in expanding their small business ecosystem with things like payments and employee payroll. So I've worked in both those divisions, so it was cool to see those companies and those business units get built up. And then was also a really early advocate for Intuit's partner platform to make it easier for other companies to build small business apps on the back of Intuit and build out a connected ecosystem. So those are a lot of the tactical things that Brad did with strategic oversight there. But I think the proof is honestly in the numbers. Yeah, they're the company with the largest percentage change from when Brad took over to today. They started with a smaller starting point at 7.6 billion market cap in Brad's tenure took him, uh, sorry, just in the five years of his tenure, tripled that. And they're now sitting at 118 billion. Largest just percentage growth of any company on the list. And I can honestly say I had very little part of that, even though I worked in, worked there for two years. <laughs> on the list we got, we're gonna call the cousin Greg of the list, Bob Iger taken over for Michael Eisner at Disney. Uh, Bob took over in 2005. Doesn't really share a lot of similarities with Cousin Greg other than they had a theme park and Bob may have worn a, a Mickey Mouse costume in orientation. And I hope that they haven't had as many deaths or lawsuits on their cruise lines as Cousin Greg has. Also, I don't think I don't know if Bob ever smoked up in a character suit before and vomited in it. Yeah, worth calling out. But during Bob's tenure, he took over in 2005. They were doing 46 billion in market cap. Uh, on year five, he had almost doubled that, not quite to 71 billion, but definitely put them on a path to insane growth. Today, they're at 166 billion. And he was a growth guy. Like he just knew what to do. Part of that was organic, part of it was major acquisitions like Pixar, Marvel, Lucas films. Like those are just bread and butter entities that if you're a South Park fan, like you can just squeeze that juice for forever. I've seen every Marvel movie and they're endless. Yeah. Just very impressive tenure out of Bob. And he's back. Bob is back. All right. Number four, number four right now service now all right mr bill mcdermott taking over in 2019 for mr john donahue previously mentioned at nike and before that frank slootman so frank slootman was initially ceo taking over for frank was john and then bill mcdermott was announced 
as CEO in November of 2019. And Bill, incredibly accomplished individual, previously CEO at SAP, where he led tremendous growth there. He's just a smooth dude. And ServiceNow has been on a, just like a rocket ship level of growth with, with his leadership. I think the most notable thing with ServiceNow, as I've observed, is their broadening focus on workflows. So initially as a really like an IT help desk, service desk, employee help desk tool, really focusing on the platform side of what they do and making it easier to be a workflow solution end to end. They are increasing their investment in their partner ecosystem, building out points of connections to allow people to build on top of ServiceNow. And more recently launched a venture fund to invest in those integrations and ecosystems. So Bill McDermott running the playbook back like post SAP and they're on a massive tear. Next up on the list, Mr. Tim Cook of Apple. Uh, it feels weird to have a company with a 2.8 trillion with a T market cap, not be two and I'm not two if you're a Drake fan. I think the logic for this one was like undoubtedly Tim Apple or Tim Cook at Apple is just a mastermind. But the the argument would be he started with a pretty stellar rocket ship when Tim took over. They were doing three hundred seventy seven billion uh, in two thousand eleven in market cap. In his first five years, he took that to six hundred eight billion, and they're now like I previously said at two point eight trillion. It's it's we're in the rare air of giants here. And it was a lot of innovating and improving on stuff that had come before him. So launching the iPhone 10, 11 AirPods was huge. I guess that's a major one that even I, not even I, like I'm a prodigy. I didn't think like, why the, what the fuck the Apple like headphones, I'm going to lose these things. And they're insane revenue drivers and they just continue to push the boundaries and the industry and everybody else is constantly playing catch up. Copycats are getting faster, um, but Apple is definitely still setting the tone. And part of that is because of the great Steve Jobs, but Tim Cook is definitely carrying the torch in a major way. I think people have this perception of Tim Cook, like he's just, he's just the figurehead. He's, there's this notion of wartime CEO versus peacetime CEO. And it's like, Steve Jobs is a wartime CEO and Tim Cook is just managing the ship. Yeah. But there's just a lot of work that I know their team has done around migration to subscription services, supply chain. There's this running joke about, oh, what did Apple launch? It's like the yellow version of the iPhone where there's just this running joke about what are they just doing? They're just putting out the same mentioned Drake hits, but there's just subtle changes. But the reality is there's been a lot of like really huge infrastructure changes and also strategy work that has gone into their growth. All right. This one is going to be a hotly debated one. If there was anyone on this list that was likely to send blood to someone, Elon Musk, we gave him the Matson title. You also felt like Roman might've been an appropriate one given the, the exploding rocket episode. <laughs> But in all seriousness, if we look at Tesla, they've done some incredible work. Elon taking over for Martin Eberhard in the early days in 2008, 
I mean, Elon, that team pioneered in the electric vehicle revolution. They launched the Tesla Roadster Model S, X, Model 3, Model Y. They were the first to establish a scalable production facility of EV batteries. They launched Tesla's supercharger network, which makes it easier to charge and restore vehicles on the road, and then also launched a whole line of energy storage solutions for commercial and residential use. Yeah, and probably the company with the least data having gone public relatively recently. In his first five years, they went from zero to 18 billion in market cap, and they're now, I think, the most valuable automotive company at 648 billion market cap. And a lot of people wonder why the hell that is the case, myself included. It's hard to, it's hard to deny what he's done. He's, he's aggressive. He's at least an innovative thinker, at least he's talent when he knows it. And it's probably the most succession like character, like the way that he weaseled his way in as a co-founder of Tesla and built a story around it and controls the narrative. And it's probably why I bought Twitter. Is it similar to how I weaseled in the opportunity to work with you on disco probably? Yeah, on a scale that is divided by literal billions of dollars. Next up, next up on the list, we got Google. We have Sundar taking over for Larry Page in 2015. I'll give you a numbers overview real quick, and then Jessica can talk about some of the markets. But when he took over, I mean, they were already a behemoth, $528 billion market cap. In his first five years, got it to over the trillion dollar point at 1.1. And they're now currently sitting at around $1.5 trillion market cap. What does Sundar not do here? Launched Chrome. He oversaw development of Google Drive. Launched the Android operating system. He drove acquisitions of Nest Labs, DeepMind, which is now pioneering in all things related to the future of AI. And was also a big part of restructuring Google when it became a subsidiary of Alphabet. And so... There's been, yeah, a lot of corporate strategy stuff that he's done, shipped real product. He's a quiet, from what I haven't worked with Sundar personally, but he's a pretty, he's a pretty quiet and thoughtful, less verbose and bombastic, but he definitely carries a big stick. Who's on the top? Who's All number right. one? This is again, not a surprise, but coming in at the top spot. We've got Mr. Satya Nadella and the team at Microsoft. Satya coming in for Mr. Steve Ballmer, the owner of the LA Clippers and overly excited fan who looks like he's going to have a heart attack every other week at the Staples Center. Sorry, Crypto Center, whatever it's called now. Satya taking over in 2014 for Steve. That company has just been a rocket and you see it across all the different aspects of their business from the strategy that they put in place around the growth of the cloud computing business with Azure and also with making strategic acquisitions like LinkedIn and GitHub. They've been pushing into the human capital management space. They also have the infrastructure that allows people to build on top of Microsoft. They've more so become more open in their platform embracing open source and working with other core platforms like Linux and Android. They launched a number of new products like the Microsoft Surface 
they are on the cutting edge of all the work happening in AI with partnership with OpenAI, as you see that being integrated more into Microsoft's offering, and then also launched subscription services like Office and Microsoft Teams. Incredible execution, building value across a connected ecosystem of products, making it easier for people to build on top and positioning the company for growth going forward. So they're the second on this list in terms of market cap at 2.4 trillion under Satya's stewardship, they saw the most growth. So when he took over, it was 381 billion. His first five years, he was able to quadruple that to 1.2 trillion. And since then has doubled. They're like, this is the future. Did they go Joe? No, they've, but, but they're, they're one of the OGs, right? Microsoft is, I don't know. If I had to, I'd say Logan rest in peace, but like he was the guy that created the industry and he also saw what it took to stay relevant in the industry. And that's making smart deals. That's making hard decisions and just doing it ruthlessly. Satya's built a much better brand for his company and himself, <laughs> but that level of leadership I think is L to the OG. They really missed out on the disco acquisition. So that was probably his only fault. Yeah, he only had one flub up. All right. As we wrap this thing up, I want to know how you were feeling about the end of succession. We don't, I know we talked, we're not going to do spoilers here, but how did you feel about the way the show ended? I think let's just say, stop listening. If you haven't watched it here, cause I'm going to say what happened. I. I think that's why the show was so great was like, I was rooting for Tom and Greg all along because they were the most likable outsiders. And then you see the, some of the humanness of the siblings and you're like, shit, I, you know, should go to them. But ultimately, I mean, it's the, you know, the American dream, the guy from St. Paul, Minnesota, Tom Wamscan, he won, he played the game. He got what he wanted. I think what he deserved, but He's also going to be, what did Mattson say to him? He's going to be a pain sponge. He's going to be the pain sponge. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going to come without cost. So I don't think anybody is really, I don't think there were a lot of winners. What did you think? I thought it ended the way it needed to end it. I, and not many shows lay on the plane, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they did a really great job of tying up the loose ends. There were a couple things I was like, when Kendall got in the elevator at the end, I thought there was a moment there where he could have pressed the up button and that would have their signaled. That would have been a pretty tragic way to end it, but I'm glad they wrapped it up. I also love like Colin, the grim reaper standing there. There's just a couple of characters that I just, am going to miss a lot. I'm going to miss Hugo. I'm going to miss Frank and Carl shout out to Carl with some just epic one-liners, just him tearing apart tom as he's eating a fish taco and just so many like memorable moments from the show that are just gonna live on in hbo television history it's quite motivating to look at this list and see how much people and obviously it's not just one person but groups of people are able to move mountains and turn things around deal with hardship at this scale when you're talking billions and trillions like <laughs> We always joke about how hard it was just to go from nothing to a million dollars in revenue. It's big shoes to 
to fill. This was fun. Again, shout out to the companies on this list. I hope that doesn't prevent our ability to get employed at any of these great companies going forward. But again, we have mad appreciation for the successors. Uh, this was fun. And I, I appreciate you coming on to do this. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. All right. That's a wrap. I guess I'll give a shout out to my brother. Did all the legwork on that episode. Uh, phenomenal analysis, looking at the stock performance and the projections, but uh, love uh, love working with that guy, obviously. So it was a lot of fun. And um, also, no shots fired at, at Elon. Okay, we're we're uh, it's all out of love here. So I uh, had a lot of fun with that one. And uh, yeah, this this week on the podcast again, promise we're gonna get Edith Harbaugh's episode up and live. Um, wanted to get the succession episode out though. And uh, some great stuff from Edith coming up next week. I was at the Collision event in Toronto. There's going to be just a ton of phenomenal interviews and content coming out of that uh, with some exciting guests. You're going to want to be on the lookout for those things. But again, in the meantime, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in. Keep hustling. Keep grinding.